I can see you well. Awesome. Look at that. I got, I've got, if you're like me, you get a, get a little bit fidgety in church sometimes with someone talking for a really long time. So when you want to not look at me, you can just look up there. It's just the same as what I'm saying, but you have an option there. So I just want to talk today about intimacy with God. So I spoke two weeks ago on the presence of God and what it is to be a people of his presence. And we just talked a bit about what we, what we're going after with being, what it is to be a people of his presence, that we will have programs here, we will have some structure, we'll have people and personalities. I used a whole lot of P words. They're all good things, but they're not the main thing. So the main thing is his presence, yeah? And I just want to mention today our core values. I don't know if you guys have heard these very much from up the front. We've got these three pillars that we kind of stand on. There we go, intimacy, identity, and increase. Um, when did Mark speak, Liam? Was that like a year and a half, two years ago? Okay, April last year, Mark Greenwood, I don't know if we've got a recording of that, it was so good. He spoke on intimacy, identity and increase and it, if you haven't heard Mark, he's just kind of a phenomenal Bible teacher. Um, I'd really recommend if, if we can make that available somehow, it's so worth listening to. Um, intimacy quickly, our relationship with God, identity, who we are and who he is, which pretty much, you know, you, got, you, you all know your belief determines your behaviour, it's a big deal, isn't it? identity and increase it's bringing the kingdom and right there in the brackets uh, oh no sorry just before to know him and make him known that's kind of our mission statement guys if you've never heard that from up the front I'm just giving you a whole lot of stuff about who we are so today I am going to talk about intimacy with God just quickly, if you look up that word intimacy, so um, it means a confidence, familiarity, understanding, friendship, affection, uh, affinity, uh, experience, communion, inwardness, and a knowing. So I, I just want to be straight up with this word. Some of us stumble over this word because in our culture, it also refers to sexual intimacy, doesn't it? And you're like, those two words, like God and intimacy, makes people go, oh, I don't know, it's a little bit weird. Um, so while there's nothing sexual about our relationship with God, there's no human marriage in heaven is there, okay? But the metaphor that we have the whole way through the Bible, through um, the meta-narrative, we can maybe put that next one. So meta-narrative, just quickly, it means the big story. It's the zoomed out view when you look at the book from the start to the end. Um, a meta-narrative is like the overarching theme of the book. So... Um, just quickly, so I'm going to be looking at the meta-narrative of the Bible as a love story today, okay? Another meta-narrative we can talk about is homecoming. Who knows that story all the way through the Bible? Who, who's experienced that story? We all have. Who knows, like Israel, turning their back on God all the way through, the prodigal son, who knows that story and then who's lived that story, right? That's another overarching, that is a big story of the Bible, isn't it? But today I'm going to go for the love story, the romance. You ready? It's going to be okay, guys. <laughs> Alrighty. So this big story, the overarching theme is the pursuit by the lover of his beloved. Did you know that you're the beloved? Just say right now, I am his beloved. All right. 
So like the whole of this story with God, nothing is forced, nothing's manipulative, nothing's controlled. It's by invitation. This whole thing is invitation, isn't it? Or wooing. Has, who said that word, wooing? Do you know that's a real word? I looked it up. W-O-O-I-N-G, wooing. <laughs> Who knows what wooing is? Yeah, it says in the dictionary, to seek the affection of someone with the intent to marry or begin a romantic relationship. This is what it feels like with us as the, the bride and him as the groom. I feel like wooing, he's good at wooing. Right? So even though he'll never like force because he doesn't violate our will, he'll never force, but he pursues really, really hard. He woos, he woos, he woos. If you're not familiar with what wooing is, just go there and spend time with the Lord. So I'm looking at you guys. You guys are legends just to be able to... I just feel like some of this is so like sloppy and romantic, but what did you say, Liam? We, we get to be, you know, the bride and the... If the guy, so you guys get to be the bride. What do I get to be? Sons of God. Sons of God. Kings. There we go. We're all good with that. <laughs> I just want to quickly touch on our culture for a minute. Has anyone wondered with, so we, we love love stories. A lot of us love the happy ending in a love story. Um, fairy tales is a big thing in our culture, isn't it? So Disney, have you noticed Disney at the moment in our culture having this huge comeback? Who's watched the really great... Um, trying to think, like they did Cinderella, like the things that were cartoons, but now they're actually doing the, they're incredible, yeah? We love them, they're so well done. Um, They're all being remade. Are these new stories? No, they're really old stories. So why do we love them so much? So the theme is the same, it's good versus evil, and it's a love story. It's always the same thing, we just can't get enough of it. So I just want to show um, some of these classic images. So good versus evil. Just have a just listen to this for a minute. Good versus evil. The prince on a white horse. Heard of that in a fairy tale? An epic battle. Who's read Revelation here? Does this sound familiar? <laughs> Love conquering all, living happily ever after. And for us, ever after is into eternity, isn't it? The reason we tell these stories generation to generation, culture to culture, is because we are made for this story. Our hearts ache for this story. We want to know there's one who's going to fight for me to the end. There is a love that is greater than death. We want to know that, don't we? So we are made to know that we are the beloved one, the one worth fighting for, the one who has the love of their life, give up everything for. The love that is stronger than death, every fibre of our being is made for this story. We're created for it. So the meta-narrative of the Bible is romance. I'm not sure. And the Bible introduces us to the lover, the one who pursues. So this is Leif Hetland. Does anyone know this amazing man called Leif Hetland? Listen to him. He's an amazing person. This is Leif Hetland's intimacy. This is his into me see. Okay. I love it. Psalm 139, so this is when David, who was one of the great lovers of God, he says, search me, O God, and know my heart. In the Passion Translation, I love how it says, God, I invite your searching gaze into my heart. Examine me through and through. Find out everything that may be hidden within me. Into me see. Um, Psalm 139, if you want to just sit in that psalm, it's such a great one. 
I love in the Passion Translation um, just some of the wording. I'm going to read you just a little bit of it. And the title for Psalm 139 in the Passion Translation is, You Know All About Me, which is quite obvious, but just so good to remind ourselves. It says, Lord, you know everything there is to know about me. You perceive every movement of my heart and soul, and you understand my every thought before it even enters my mind. You're so intimately aware of me, Lord. You read my heart like an open book. If you want to camp out in a psalm for a bit, that's a really great one to do for intimacy and identity. Okay. So I really want to look at the life of Jesus and the way that he knew the Father. So Jesus had a meta-narrative to his life. So his big uh, overarching theme was redemptive sacrifice, yeah? He knew he was coming. Every day was a day closer to the cross. He knew why. That was his why. He was super clear about his singular focus and he mentioned it to his disciples numerous times. Do any of you find this funny when he talks to his disciples so many times about dying and they're like, huh, what? What are you talking about? They mostly don't understand. Gives me great hope. Um, (laughs) So in John... Jesus says, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains by itself. But if it dies, it produces a large crop. Um, What should I say? Father, save me from this hour, but that's why I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. This is his sacrificial death was his meta-narrative, his big story, right? It was his why, and it was discovered because of his intimacy with the Father, So Jesus might not have known where every day was going to take him, but he always knew he was a day closer to the cross, as I said. The other thing we see in the life of Jesus is that he also lived minute by minute, day by day, with direction and intentionality. And we see his constant withdrawal from crowds, don't we, to spend time with the Father. If you read, who's been reading John lately? Anyone camping out in there? Because it's so good. Jesus' deep intimacy with the Father is described best in John. So we've got a whole lot of verses, Samo, if we can jump there. I'm just going to read the bold bits. I'm going to zoom through. But I really encourage you to read John um, if you've not got anything to read right now. It's such a beautiful book. It's incredible. But if you want to kind of go on this journey of intimacy, you can learn so much Um, from the way that Jesus talks about his time with the Father. I'm just going to quickly read a few. So the son is not able to do anything on his own, but only what he sees the father doing. Does anyone wonder about that? How do you see what the father's doing? What does that look like? Does anyone think these things? I do. (laughs) Okay, I want to see what the father's doing, but often I'm like, what does that actually mean? So it's, it's an exciting discovery. For whatever the Father does, the Son also does these things in the same way. Jesus says, I can do nothing on my own. I judge only as I hear. So he's hearing from the Father. My teaching isn't mine, but from the one who sent me. Uh, what I have heard from him, these things I tell the world. Just as the Father taught me, I say these things. I speak what I've seen in the presence of the Father or the truth that I've heard from God. So he's talking about a hearing and a seeing and a knowing from the Father. You can read these in your own time. Totally read it though. Um, So Jesus was operating out of a close, intimate relationship with the Father, wasn't he? The words he spoke, the miracles he performed, and the places he went were not random. 
but they were informed by a line of communication between himself and his heavenly father. So most of the verses in John, they just all are dealing with Jesus speaking what he's heard the father speak, aren't they? And who's our model for life, everybody? Jesus. He shows us a lot about intimacy with the father. Love it. Um, as I mentioned before, we don't really know how the Father spoke. I find this incredible in the Bible when you, do you ever just read like when Moses, where it says, and the Lord said to Moses, blah, blah, blah. And the Lord said to so-so, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, so much detail is missing from that part. Because like, was he there or was it a voice or was it an angel on behalf of him or was it a vision or like what, 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 what? I have so many questions. I find it super interesting, but anyway. Um, so when Jesus says he saw, he, I just do what I see the Father doing, I find that fascinating. I could live on that verse because I'm like, Father, I want to see what you're doing and I want to do that thing. Can you teach me how to see what you're doing, you know? So the relationship between Jesus and the Father, there's our model for our relationship with the Father. And like Jesus, we can have a relationship with the Father that informs our journeys, our conversations, our ministry, our life. I don't really know what's next, Samo. Whatever. I'm going to read, actually, and the next is, it should be, there we go. So this is a quote from John Wimber, who led the Vineyard Movement, um, and it's a really beautiful quote. So the ability, this is what John says, the ability to hear what God is saying, to see what God is doing and to move in the realm of the miraculous comes as an individual develops the same intimacy with and dependence upon the Father as Jesus had. I think just looking at you guys, I know all of us want to do that top bit. (laughs) Does everyone want to do that? And can you get that there? The same intimacy with and dependence on the Father. That's how we're going to do these things. How did Jesus do what he did? The answer is found in his relationship with the Father. You know that Jesus says we'll do greater things than these. Does that not blow your mind? It blows my mind. Um, Because he raised people from the dead. I'm like, really, honestly, what is greater? Um, Jesus promised us that. How... How do we do what he did? By discovering the same relationship, intimacy, simplicity, and obedience right there on the side. I really like that. Intimacy, simplicity, obedience. God loves you and me with an intimacy that surpasses all your dreams. He wants to have a close personal relationship with you, one of intimacy, simplicity, and obedience. I just want to talk about um, some really practical ways. I'm not sure what's next, Sam. It might be the... There we go. Okay, practical ways to develop an intimate relationship with God. This first one, developing intimacy with God through openness, vulnerability and honesty. We see this really greatly illustrated in David in the Psalms. Who's read the Psalms? Like there's a whole bunch of like, yay, hallelujah, everything's so great. Who knows there's a whole bunch of like, everything's terrible, everyone's trying to kill me, I've fallen into a pit. Um, (laughs) Where are you, God? Where are you, God? Everything's bad. And we all have those days, don't we? But it is so important that we can be open, vulnerable and totally honest with God like that, can't we? That's what a real relationship is, that into me see. He already knows, so you may as well just be honest about it. Um, So... If you're wanting to kind of 
read about that, you could read Psalm 35, and just that's where David's really, really down. His soul is empty, he describes it. He's honest and open enough to talk about challenges, and these are the challenges David talks about, and I'm, I'm sure you will relate to some of these. Opposition, just opposition in life, um, unanswered prayer, failure. Um, they're just some of the things David talks about with God. So like David, we can speak to God about all of these challenges. We don't have to pretend that all is well. We can speak from the depth of our heart. It's openness, vulnerability and honesty and it draws us into an intimate relationship with God. Isn't that a relief? (laughs) What if we had to be like all together all the time and polished and squeaky clean and perfect? That's exhausting in my books. I am just so happy that there is a God that can handle me and handle all of my mess. He's not frightened of mess. Yay, that's just a cause to have joy right there. Number two, grow in wisdom through intimacy with the Father. We see in Luke when Jesus is a 12-year-old at the temple. That's kind of cool. He's only 12. He wants to just go and spend time in the courts of God. And that's how he grows in wisdom, even as a really young guy. So just actually spending time. Did you all hear? We all know about spending time with God, don't we? But can I just say, I just know how busy we all are, actually. And we often are praying while we're doing something, which is, it's okay. It's fine. We all do it. Driving a car, whatever we're doing. But just that time with God, sitting like Jesus did, just went and spent time in the courts of God. That's wisdom right there. Number three, stand still and listen to the intimate voice of the Lord. This also requires time. If you, if you just don't have a place or a time or a way, we can talk about some of those things maybe. Um, as an example, so I am quite a busy person like we all are, but I got a chair and put it in my room and I don't dump my clothes on this chair. It's a squashy chair. It's comfortable. That chair is my... That chair, when I sit on that chair, that's just me and the Lord. I don't put my shoes on on that chair. Does that make sense? That chair is just for one purpose. Does that make sense? I'm just giving you an example where I go, that is for that. And you do what you need to do. It might be a place. It might be a time. It might be a song. It might be a whatever you do, you do that. But you're like... Like when you're in a love relationship, just between me and you, I'm meeting you there at that time, okay? It's those things. Can I encourage you to start thinking about those things? Hmm. Uh, So, yeah, standing still and listening to his voice. When, again, when God spoke to Moses, it says in Numbers 7, when Moses entered the tent of meeting to speak with the Lord, he heard the voice speaking to him from between the two cherubim above the atonement cover on the Ark of the Covenant law. In this way, the Lord spoke to him. Clear? In that way. (laughs) I'm like, in what way? Tell me more. Was he standing there? Was it just a voice? What, what, what? But what we get from this is Moses made time and he went in and his one thing was, I want to hear the voice of the Lord. All right, so with these things, like I said, I just want to encourage us to build up our own vocab and like a thesaurus with the Lord, just between you and him. Mine is going to be different to Danny's, which is different to Sam's, which is different to Lani's. Do you understand what I'm talking about, like a vocab or a thesaurus? Like your own, um, okay, 
like when you're in a romantic relationship with someone, you might have a special nickname, you might have a, um, I don't know, you might go, I love spaghetti carbonara, always, because our first date we ate spaghetti carbonara, right? Now that is like a symbol every time for the rest of your life, if someone gives you spaghetti carbonara, you'll just be like, do you, do you get what I'm saying here? Between you and the Lord, there's going to be things in your life that become symbols or words or phrases or things that are like that special thing between you and him. And other people may not understand it. Do you understand what I mean with that? I have a thing with helicopters. You'll be like, yeah, whatever. I have a big thing. Every time I see a helicopter, I'm like, oh, it's you. Because we, I had this incredible um, experience in my life. It's such a long story, so I'm not going to tell it. If you ever want to know, come and ask me. But for the rest of my life, a helicopter will mean something to me. Do you get what I'm saying? Um, work on this. Work on it with him. And if you're not sure where to start, start asking these kind of questions, which I love. God, do you have a nickname for me? He does. Right? Okay? Start asking those questions. Like, oh, but this is God. Yes. He's a great lover. All right? So you might begin to have your own words, phrases, pictures, dreams, symbols that mean something special between you and him that may be different to the person next to you, but that's the joy of it, isn't it? Beginning to learn the love language between you and the Lord. Uh, closeness, understanding. I just want to talk quickly about, for people, who, who's, whoever's married in the room, did you know you, know, you can look at your partner and communicate a lot with one look, good or bad. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, we need to talk about that later because of that look. It's that kind of thing. In Song of Solomon, it talks about with one glance of your eyes, you've won me. There's no kind of verbal communication there, but that suggests a knowing, doesn't it? I've looked into those eyes so many times, I know the exact expression of the eye, right? That's what we get the picture in Song of Solomon. This is the kind of relationship we're invited into with God, those tender moments. We allow him to woo us, that word again, and we give him time to speak to us in this way. Okay? We have a love affair in our culture with busyness. I keep mentioning this, but it's true, don't we? Who knows, when you say to someone, how are you? And they say, good, and you say, busy, and they say, yes. And that's kind of an affirmation. Good that you're busy. Because what if you say, how are you? Good, busy? Nah, no, nothing. And then you're like, oh, awkward. <laughs> What's wrong with your life? Or you, right? So we do this all the time, don't we? Busyness is not so great. Anyway, that's my, that is a thing I could get on, but I'll just move away from there. <laughs> I'll do it another day. We have a love affair with busyness because it affirms us. But what I want to say with this, in your busy, busy life, try and find, squeeze some time out and give him actual time. Put your phone away. Switch off everything. Go to your place. Go to your chair. Go to your ocean. Go to your do your thing. Whatever you do and where you actually go, here is me, God, just you and me. And it'll take you about three minutes before you get fidgety because we're so used to picking up our phone and be stimulated in all those ways. God, help me. Holy Spirit, help me. I want you, okay? Can we try and do this? Because we want to be a people of his presence and we need to be present. It's not that hard, but 
sort of is, but yeah. Let's try to do this. Luckily, we have the Holy Spirit and he's like completely powerful and he can help us, yeah. When we come to him as well, we often come, I do this all the time, with our list of things, our pain, our problem, our request. He is a good father, so hear me, he wants to know all that, but he also wants the times, like when you're on a date with someone where you're just there with them because you enjoy them. Same way with the Lord. Lord, I am just here with you because I enjoy you and I love you and it comes back. And he's so interested in all the stuff and the lists and the things that are hard, but just if we can have, Liam described it as um, not having an agenda and learning how to linger in his presence, yeah, that's really beautiful. I really want to do that in my life. That time in his presence where he will woo you and he'll whisper his love to you. And who knows, we need that all the time. We get depleted really quickly, don't we? So I need to come running back to the Father. I need to meet him again. So I just want to encourage you in this, if you've become stale or sad or disappointment has made his voice quiet, just know that he's always, always, always an attentive lover. He longs to spend time with you. I'm going to share just um, a... I'm going to be vulnerable with you. (laughs) I'm going to do a bit of number one (laughs) with you guys. So I just want to tell you a story about me um, really quickly. And this was probably about two weeks ago this happened. So, and it's funny. So I heard this thing, um, you don't know what you don't know, right? So I felt like I was really fine, but I don't know me, like God knows me, right? So... On, for all, on all accounts and purposes, I seemed fine, and I kind of was. But, uh, so this thing happened. I heard about um, a Christian couple who'd lost a child, right? And I was like, ooh, yuck, and I just wanted to move away from that because I didn't want to hear it. If you, if you guys know Dave and my story, we haven't lost a child, but in the last eight years, we've had two really close friends that have. And so, to be really, really honest, that is a really, um, that's a bit of a, that's a painful thing. So when I heard it again, just two weeks ago, this, these people lost their child, it kind I felt it kind of go there, but then I was like, ooh, not going there. Um, no thank you, because <laughs> it hurts, doesn't it? And I didn't realise, but in that moment, I kind of withdrew from the Lord, just a touch, just a, just a little bit. I've got to keep it together, God, you know, I can't go there. Um, but again, you don't know what you don't know. So I didn't really realise I was doing that. So I was driving my car about two weeks ago and I had worship music on. And whenever worship's there, I could just feel my heart opening a little bit more to him. And then I heard the Lord say, do you want to go there? <laughs> and, um, and then the next, the chorus of the verse, um, sorry, the verse, the song, the chorus of the song talked about who God is, that he's so good, he's the healer and he's all these things. And I could hear that and I could, I'd could i already had that question, do you want to go there? And then we're on to the who he is verse. And then I heard the Lord say, because what happened doesn't make any of this not true. And I was like, Ooh, here we go. I had to get home. I was in the car and I was like, I can feel the Lord talking to me. I need to just go and sit. And so I did. So I got home, got out of the car, sat at the table, 
And I said to him, Lord, honestly, where is there anyway? Like, you know, when he's like, do you want to go there? I'm like, where? Like, how, how do we even get there? I don't, I don't know how to get there with you. And then, so I just shut my eyes. I have this picture of Jesus and it was like he was a little bit ahead of me and it, he just offered me his arm. Like, here you go, to take his arm. And I was like, okay, you know, I can do that. I don't know where we're going, but you clearly do. So just had that picture. And then I had this, then I heard the Lord speak. And this is from Song of Solomon. Who's read that very confronting book? Oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> very confronting and beautiful, right? Song of Solomon 8.5 um, is what I heard the Lord speak. And it says this, Who is this coming up from the wilderness, um, leaning on her beloved? Oh, Sam, do I have this on a thing? Samo. <laughs> Hello. Oh, no, it's the end. Well, I don't. I'll just read it to you again. So in the song, um, chapter 8, verse 5, who is this coming up from the wilderness leading on her beloved? And it was exactly what I'd seen in this picture with Jesus where he offered me his arm to kind of lean on. Kind of wrecked me. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> um, and I sat there and I knew that I was leaning on my beloved and I knew that he was leading me up from a wilderness. So I didn't even realize I was in, the, in a wilderness, which is just, for me, the moving, the wilderness was really that slight moving away from intimacy with God, just because you need to keep it together and function. Does anyone do this? I didn't realize I'd done that, but I had done that until he pointed it out to me. And I knew the answer to the question because when he was like, do you want to go there? I was like, where is there anyway? And then I felt like him say, this is there. Song of Solomon is there. So to me, Song of Solomon is just that intimate. It's all intimacy. If you've read it, it's crazy. It's the huge romance. It's crazy. That's where he was saying, I'm always going to go there with you. And I was like, oh, goodness. And... Um, it's intimacy and it's closeness again. So, so my problem was, I guess, the problem of pain and that was my wilderness. But it was like he was saying, you can just lean on me. It's all right. I'll lead you out of that place back to intimacy. You lean on my arm. And I really felt like I needed to lean. I didn't feel very strong. So I just want to encourage you today with this intimacy deal with God. You might have disappointment, you might have been in a wilderness, you might have a million painful things going on, or you might just go, hey, I used to feel really close with God, but I've just stepped back ever so slightly, or I don't think of him as a lover, or I don't hear his whisper, you know, the sweet whisper of God. I don't hear his nickname for me. I don't know him like that, or else you're like, I just want to do all the stuff that Jesus did, and I really, really want to hear the voice of the Father in the way that he did. I want to be able to say, I just do what I see the Father doing. Any of those things, can I encourage you just to respond today in whatever way you need to? I, For me, so I just feel like I'm on this thing of where he has, he's leading, I'm leaning on his arm, he's leading me out of the wilderness, and he's bringing me back into the song. So I love Song of Solomon because it's this totally romantic book, but I also, when I think of the song, I just think that's the song that God sings over us, the Zephaniah song, um, that one, where he just delights over us with singing. 
It's very sweet and close and intimate. It's the only way I can describe it. Into me see. It's quite beautiful. So I just want to invite the worship team possibly. Can I say it's my beautiful sister there and my beautiful bro-in-law? Come on up. And I just want to give us some space. Like we keep talking about, we want to make space for the Lord when we meet together. So I just want to invite you to respond, even if you do it with another person and say, oh, this and this and this, or these are the places of my heart. Or, or if you just need someone to actually come and pray and, and um, bless you or... I don't know, any of those things. I really want to make sure we've got a few people up here to pray with people and then really just be, um, be vulnerable with the people that you're with and turn to the person and have a chat. But let's just make time for the Holy Spirit to come and just do what he wants to do. Okay? Is that cool? Bless you guys. Bless you.